I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Today we have an interesting duo. So we haven't done this a lot. It's normally like, you know, the one guest that Anna and I team up on. Anna, as usual, as of late, my co-host. Thanks for joining, Anna. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Today we have Matt and Ryan from Fiserv. That's Matt Forrest and Ryan Clifford. Guys, thanks for joining. Really appreciate it. And maybe tell us a little bit about uh, kind of yourselves and what you do at Fiserv. And I don't know, uh, we'll, like, I guess we establish your dominance pattern here as to who goes first. No, I'm just kidding. Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm Matt. I'm an API product manager over here at Fiserv in Ryan's team. I've got background mostly as a, as a full stack developer, actually. So I worked as a developer for about seven years before moving into management and kind of finally settled into product management. More recently, really focused on API products. So I like to think I kind of see APIs from all angles having that kind of development background, building them and, and testing them and using them as well. Having come from a back-end engineering background and gone through product for quite some time, I can appreciate the phrasing of I've settled into product. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough adaptation. I think that's what most people say, right? You kind of find yourself there. All right, Ryan, what's your story? All right, well, thank you for having, uh, for having us, Jason and Hannah. I was going to say, where did I settle? I feel like instead of like settling into product, I settled into or stumbled upon developer platforms a number of years ago and kind of just been working on developer platforms now at kind of three different companies, the latest being Fiserv, which I love. I think it's such an interesting space because developer platforms are the things that people don't necessarily, like everyday consumers, don't really see the impact of APIs or they don't know of the companies or they don't know there's APIs there but they benefit from it, whether they know it or not. So um, I kind of stumbled into developer platforms, have had a couple of different types of roles, whether it's been strategy, developer relations, or API product. So I'm API product lead at Pfizer for our developer platform, primarily focusing on merchant acquiring technology. And for people who don't know what merchant acquiring is, I sum it up as merchant meaning businesses and acquiring meaning accepting payments online or in store. So we essentially enable businesses to accept payments, whether it be in store or online. And we've had a really interesting journey, even over the last kind of 18, 24 months over in our team of how we built out API product management and lots of good things that we've been playing around with. Some failings in there as well, but I won't jump ahead too far. We'll get to that, I'm sure. How big is your team now, your API product management team? So it's an interesting one because we've got the developer platform team as a whole, which encompasses APIs plus the dev portal plus support and um, the scrum teams as well. Um, and I lose track of whether we are probably with all of our scrum teams as well, a couple of them. I feel like we're around the 20, 20-ish, early 20 mark. Uh, we have plans this year to go up to around uh, 40, I believe, actually is the latest uh, number I've seen us trying to hit in terms of number of people as we've been growing. API specifically, we are a team at the moment of kind of four dedicated people to APIs in terms of actually API product management, and we are hiring. So I've been on calls even today, talking to candidates, 
trying to win them over, be like, this is what we're doing. This is what's really interesting. Come and join us. I think the only notable thing with an API intersection podcast guest will be if they weren't hiring, but it does sound like you guys are moving pretty fast. And I guess for listeners, it might be helpful. Like, what's the kind of size of Fiserv overall relative to this four to 20 people? Yeah, so that's a really good point because a lot of people won't have heard of Fiserv, but I can guarantee that majority of people have used our technology. If you've ever had to accept a payment in store or online, it's quite likely that it's been us. So Fiserv is a Fortune 500 company. I want to say around the 40,000 people mark across the entire company. Some people uh, will be familiar with a company called First Data. There was actually a merger of Fiserv and First Data in 2019. So in terms of what we focus on from a merchant acquiring payments technology stack, it's kind of more first data, I think is what people would be familiar with in terms of our customers and clients. Yeah, having worked at PayPal for a while, and I'm terrible at descriptions of things I was going to say, like I feel like Fiserv is like one of these deep in the smoky nether regions of payment stacks everywhere. Like, you know, like you say, people haven't heard of it, but it's like you guys are like down lower level in kind of the, the payment rails, so to speak. Yeah, not many people like so we are a, an acquirer and not many people will talk directly to card brands like Visa, MasterCard, Amex as an acquirer. We do. So a lot of people will build off the top of our technology. So, yeah, there's striking as usual how, you know, we're talking about ballpark 25 people, right? Or, or even if it's 40, whatever, versus 40,000 in the company. How often we have very small teams involved in kind of API stuff. So being API product, I presume you guys are largely focused on kind of external facing assets, meaning like not internal usage APIs. Yes, absolutely. The majority of what we're looking at is that kind of experience layer, right? The experience layer of APIs, the ones that are external merchants and, and organizations that use us will want to integrate with to access the, the features that we provide. Am I oversimplifying by saying that means like the sort of partner dev portal kind of things? No, that would be correct. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I think it's quite an interesting one as well, because there's obviously the obvious external side. So actually, like we own the spec, the open API specification that people interact with externally, the documentation, the experience as well that they have from getting an API keys, starting with our developer portal team that we've got, all the way to consuming it. But the way that the team's evolved is actually we get involved with internal API discussions as well, especially when our kind of what we call domains, our different system teams are building out APIs. We actually think, well, the better our internal APIs are, the kind of better experience APIs we can build. So our roles kind of changed a bit. That is not completely all external facing because there's so much we can do internally as well, which ultimately helps our external APIs as well. So a bit complex. In my head, I hear like the angels music when you say stuff like that. Uh, it's so it's like <laughs> for years, people go like, let's tack some APIs on top of our junk and, you know, throw it out to the world. But you're absolutely right. And I, I think this is what's interesting to me. And your kind of pairing here is on one side, very technical on the other side, a little more program oriented, more traditional product, let's say. But yeah, if you're doing it right, you need that. And so I guess I'm curious, for, you know, while you're thinking about hiring all these these kind of API teams. And uh, when you think about what does an API product manager look like? I mean, right here, there's a pretty striking difference between your backgrounds and kind of what you're good at, right? So what does that look like for you? Sorry, I should be directing that to someone. 
I guess I'll ask Ryan first, and then Matt can counter you. <laughs> What's interesting is we've got two approaches. We've got the approach of when we went out to hire, this is what we thought we wanted. And then there's the, the approach of actually, Matt, what is the role that you've been doing as you've come into the role? What was the role you were sold on? <laughs> and what's it actually been like? So I'd be really interested to hear Matt's opinion, first of all, and then I'll cover what we thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, obviously, I, as I mentioned, I've, I've come like transitioned through that kind of development, development, and then managing development team, and then product management as kind of an organic kind of progression there. When I kind of interviewed, I've been at Fiserv now for six months, so not, not a huge amount of time. But when I interviewed for that role, I was sort of, I guess, looking at more of that sort of traditional product management, like kind of outside in focusing role with like being able to leverage that that technical background. Because obviously when you talk about API products, you do kind of need that, at least some kind of technical know-how. It's a little bit of a more technical specialist role from a product management aspect than some other maybe product management uh, roles. That was definitely an aspect, but it wasn't necessarily kind of the driving force of the role, that kind of technical part. But actually where it's kind of developed as I've been there in that six months, I would say for me personally, having that technical background has kind of been crucial to achieving what I wanted to achieve. We've had some limitations in the team regarding uh, the resource that we've got and the kind of some of the challenges that we've had, which we can talk a bit more about. But uh, being able to leverage that kind of development skills and technical knowledge that I've had has allowed me to maybe come up with some creative solutions to some of the some of the API issues that we've had, I would say. It sounds a little bit like you're treating this like startup scrappy mentality within a very large organization. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It does actually feel like that. And I think I remember actually talking to Ryan about that in, in the interview at one point. And, and he did describe it a little bit like that to me. And it does actually genuinely feel like that. Obviously, Fiserv is this huge organization and it's a long-standing, well-established organization. But our team and, and the goals that we have do kind of feel like a bit of a sort of mini startup scale up within that. We have a lot of autonomy, a lot of trust to kind of drive and do what we think we should be doing to kind of deliver the, the developer platform that we're trying to deliver. It's very interesting to hear Matt's take on it. I think we've definitely leveraged Matt and his ability to, you know, his past background as a developer to, in a way, probably make him into a one-person scrum team. I think you've touched on dev testing, you've done everything. But when we originally went out for the role, it's kind of, we were looking for quite a broad API product manager role who could be someone who could be technical enough to actually design the API to work with a Scrum team kind of in an API product owner capacity to see it through delivery and then, you know, actually launch the product into market and then manage it through its life cycle. So you're talking a, a designer, a product owner, and then a product manager, and even a go-to-market person as well. Like that all encompassed into one role. And then Matt's come along and has been able to do that plus be a developer and play around with our gateway as well and do some testing. So What's really nice is we we have a need, we have a want to do stuff, and we go after deploying stuff and pushing stuff out there and testing it and working really closely with clients to say, look, this is our very first version. We're doing this in a bit of a scrappy way. Come along as our, you know, our first beta user, and we bring them along the entire journey so they can be a little bit more forgiving if we're like, ah, actually something's, something's changed. We need to adapt this now. I hope you forgive us for a breaking change, you know, things like that. And just to add on that as well, it's quite interesting with Fiserv. While we do kind of feel our team as a bit of a startup, we have this 
wealth of existing clients from Fiserv to kind of draw on, which, as Ryan just said, allows us to, to reach out to them. And I think really get the impression that at this point, they're all really kind of chomping at the bit to get access to the APIs and the platform that we're building. So they're always like really keen to kind of work with us and help us along to kind of get to that, that release. You know, it's funny, though, because that's like a, you could be managing any kind of product and that would be true. Right. If you have a large, a great population of longstanding customers with great relationships that you can give early access to and get some forgiveness, it's always useful. The fact that it's APIs and developer portals and all that is kind of whatever. What I love here in the approach is that you guys are saying kind of from, you know, soup to nuts that you're really trying to look at, you know, from domain level all the way out to kind of, you know, point and click experience in the browser that you're trying to really own that whole process, which is. I think a little bit unique. How does that kind of, you know, bumping into, uh, let's say that that kind of domain backend side of things, I presume that was probably one of the big reasons for kind of bringing folks like Matt on with more technical background is kind of navigate those deeper waters internally, as far as negotiating maybe the data or access that you need, that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, it's definitely made my life easier having that knowledge and that, with that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is one of the big challenges in doing what we're trying to do, align everything under kind of one roof, one, one developer portal, when there's so much within the organization to kind of liaise with and, and so many people to speak to and kind of understand different architectures and different products. You've got like company-sized silos within the organization that kind of each doing their own thing, building their own sort of products. So being able to um, reach into those kind of areas and, and understand a bit more of the architecture and what it is that they're kind of building and delivering, both functionally and, and to some degree technically, does allow us to kind of design our layer on top of that. I think there's also an element of, you know, Pfizer, you know, been around for like 35 years, it's had organic and non-organic growth. So the non-organic growth will be from acquisitions. So what you end up having is different technologies all under one brand and you know, we're working towards what does our strategic platform look like and obviously there's migrations of different customers to newer systems and as Matt said around kind of like the silos that may have come from an acquisition of a, a completely different company and what's been really nice to see and I've definitely seen it over probably the last 18 months is domains working a lot closer with us and actually coming to us saying hey we're starting work on an API like would you mind kind of helping us with some of the design. And it's what's really nice is it's not, hey, will you design it? It's, hey, here's what I'm thinking. What are your you know, thoughts, feedback? How do we feed it in? Or, you know, some people going, do you know what? This is quite new for me as maybe a, a new member to their team saying, I want to do more API design. Where do I start? And it's a, a bit of a, let's help you learn and let's work together. And I think we have some domains which I think have taken it really well and just gone like the designs now that they're, they're throwing out there for internal APIs are, are nearly even experience ready. So it makes our lives a lot easier. And it's really nice to see that kind of organic growth as the organization comes used to this idea of being API first or developer first, which is a mindset, I think. You didn't used to have API product managers. How did you evolve to this point? How did you get to the point where domains are coming to you to work together collaboratively? being relentless at repeating the same message, I think. <laughs> but you know what? One of the things that really helps is just saying, because we own the experience API layer. So without us, you're not going to get an API out there to a client. So we've just said, look, if it hasn't been validated by a customer, 
then it won't be an experience API. So before you even develop anything, like let's get a design, a rough design, let's engage with a customer. And like just saying that enough times, they've kind of been like, okay, like now I get the point. So there's a little bit of control there to be like, it's not going to go out. But I think a genuine kind of interest in actually this is where modern day companies are going. Some of the biggest companies out there now are transforming into API companies. And there's kind of bringing people along that, that journey to say, this is the exciting thing that we're doing, doing kind of like demos as well of like, this is what we've done. It's taken time. It hasn't been an overnight thing. We're not there yet. I don't think there will ever be a point where, well, actually, no, there will be a point when we're made redundant, when we're not needed as an experienced API team because they're already experience ready. So that's our goal. Our goal is to t- take us out of a job, <laughs> essentially. I'm always working myself out of a job. It's the way, best way to be. There's always something more interesting to do. There's a, a few angles I want to hit here real quick, which is one, you're describing sort of a de facto governance, right? In the sense of externalization passes through one gate, thereby we can kind of set the standard. But that makes me more curious is like, is there some common standard style guide, whatever you want to call it, that everyone's building to? Or is this more we don't care what happens externally, but here's kind of our standard before it goes out to the world. There's one thing to mention on that is that some of this work was definitely done before I arrived. So I can't claim too much credit, but it kind of goes back to what Ryan was saying and talking to the domains. There has been this kind of established set of standards that the domains are now kind of adhering to when it comes to even the internal APIs. So trying to create that level of consistency when it comes to design of APIs, the types of fields, the types of data types that you're using, how to do things like pagination and sorting and all those things that kind of don't necessarily add any business value, but just but need to be consistent and easily um, interpretable by clients. Those are the kind of things that I think have kind of been maybe in a sort of organic way now proliferated out through the domains and, and, and agreed upon. So we are seeing this kind of level of standardization take place for sure. I just wanted to counter that that consistency absolutely has business value before we get too much further and lose track of that one. It might not seem like it, but these things affect your adoption significantly, right? If your consumers have many different ways of connecting, that's annoying and you know causes their developers to want to go shopping for something else, that definitely has business impact. So don't un- uh, undermine it. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry. No, sorry to cut you off there. I was just going to say, I think it's definitely a living, breathing thing when it comes to our kind of design style and what's been really interesting is as a new member has joined the team our standards have then changed because we've kind of gone you know what worked at the last company you were at is there something we can kind of uh borrow and steal from there that we should start thinking about and um i think it's really interesting just to see how our team of api product managers have you know put in little rituals and how they've adapted so for example we used to do this thing where an API product manager would go away, would work on a design of an API, then come and do a design review just with our team. And it used to be kind of like at the end of a design, they would then kind of show the design, then we'd feedback on it, and we'd make sure it's consistent across our other APIs. But now what we've found is a more effective way of doing it is having not just one end design review, but sort of mini reviews as you go. So for example, we'll have someone on our team is just had the first conversation with a domain to understand how to do a certain API, they will come back to our team in one of our team meetings and we'll just say like, here's like the raw output file I've just found from this domain around a, a statement, for example. 
what's your thoughts on it? Like they haven't actually designed anything, but it's kind of like iterative as a team designing. And it's nice to get it early on as opposed to waiting to this end design because let's be honest, like there is no end design because once it goes into development, you're tweaking a design, like it's never 100%, I guess, until it's deployed. And then even then, you're, then you're managing it as a product. So it will change after that. So that's been an interesting one, how our rituals have adapted as our teams has naturally formed. Yeah, I think that that early look can be, you know, sort of a functional description thing or um, like uh, I know at PayPal, we would talk about this as like portfolio level discussions is like, where does this API fit in the bigger portfolio of APIs? And that's where like all the semantics naming stuff, I think it tends to be a big subject before you're getting into the meat of implementation, right? So has that been your experience too? I'm just thinking that of our example, and I don't know where we landed with this, whether we call it like card type card brand brand on its own like we have these discussions for like an hour where we're talking about certain fields and then it's like actually different use cases maybe it makes sense here maybe it doesn't what type of consumer is consuming this api we had one the other day actually with dale one of our other product managers where i think i just called in matt you like no warning i was just like matt's green on teams that's thrown into this yeah, but that stuff matters. I, this is a fascinating look, though, that the idea that driving the broader organizational consistency and in, in terms of you know how API design is done, that using kind of the externalization factor as a lever here. But that's my sense of kind of what's maybe happening to the the dynamics internally. But I would venture a guess here that that in Fiserv, external connectivity to sort of merchants and stuff, that's the lifeblood of these organizations. In this particular environment, there's a, you know, that gives you quite a bit of leverage. As you said, you can't connect with your merchants if, <laughs> if we don't agree with the design. I just wanted to note that like that works in this environment, but not every environment's like this, right? And this is also coming from like PayPal experience where if you're in payments online and you can't connect externally because of some gatekeeping function, it's like, you know, you'll do anything to get over that line. Are there any of those sort of higher level mandates that come with this that give you guys sort of that broader authority to do this? There's two things that come to mind. First of all, like our developer platform is like one of the top strategic initiatives within the region that we're in, which is EMEA. So that's great. We've got the senior level buy-in, which is why we've been able to hire people like Matthew, which is great. So we've got the buy-in there. But what's also really nice is most RFPs request for proposals from customers talk about APIs. One of the questions that the sales teams are getting asked is like, where's the dev portal? Where are the APIs? Where can I see it? And that helps massively. The fact that every client is asking for it in their like the proposals means that our sales teams are now engaging us. Like I couldn't even think, you know, even if it was five years ago, would you have a sales team? calling in an API product manager to help close a deal? Like, would that happen? I don't think it would have as often. Where now, sometimes if they see I'm green on Teams or whatever, they'll be calling me straight away. And they'll be like, hey, this week it's like, can you come to Manchester? I need you to talk through like APIs and how they all link. I'm like, sure, of course we will. That's great. So two things from that, the buy-in from the top leadership. And then second is actually having really engaged um, sales teams and because clients are driving it saying we want APIs, we want to see a dev portal, we want to see a spec, it makes our jobs far easier, I think. 
All right. So I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the podcast before, but I tend to try to spring one fun question at the end. And I guess we get to get two different looks at it now. And uh, I guess I'll start with uh, Matt. Is like, if you could, you know, this all got wiped away and we roll back time and you get to start this function again, where would you start? Like, what would be the thing that you think is most important to kind of get the ball rolling on a program like this? Yeah, I think for me, I know I've got that technical background, but I, I still can't say there's anything more important than speaking to customers. And in this case, speaking to developers to understand exactly what it is they're trying to do. I think we still have this like mentality of like wanting to sit in a room and solve problems ourselves a lot. And I think that there's a uniqueness in API design where it's very hard to kind of like make decisions yourself because you get a bit stuck with this idea of this looming, we've got to get everything perfect for release. Because with an API, which is slightly unique for APIs, once you've released it, you almost can't change anything anymore. There are certain things you can add and tweak, but you are kind of stuck with it at that point. So I think there is this, this real tendency to get stuck spending too much time obsessing over these things uh, yourself. And just reaching out and speaking to customers is the way to go. So that's where I would always start with this thing from scratch is get people together, get customers together and collaborate on that design of what it is we're actually trying to build. And if you're doing that without the kind of overheads of, of technical debt and established architecture, then you're kind of free to, to really leverage that customer feedback and really kind of build whatever you, you need to build in, in whatever way is most efficient. Yeah, customer centricity and empathy. We've heard that a bunch on here. What about you, Ryan? I think... I actually have two things. So one of which we've done, I think like the talent you bring in is so important. We've been really lucky that we found some incredible people. It wasn't easy. We did a lot of interviews and we were relentless of going, okay, we're not going to drop the bar, but looking for people who I think are have some element of being proactive in overcoming barriers or being just real problem solvers and critical thinkers. So I think without the right talent, it makes it very hard to do anything. I say we've done that at the start of building out our program. One thing that if it was a complete blank slate, I would love to do is linked actually to Matt's point about customer validations. And he mentioned before, we have existing customers who are chomping out the bits to get access to certain things. So it kind of ends up that we're delivering stuff for customers who want it right now. If I had no customers to begin with, I would love to just spend good amount of time really doing good user research and understanding what is it that they want and how they want to consume it. We've got different ways of consuming uh, our capabilities, whether it's you know APIs, whether it's SDKs that you're using, whether it's say hosted solutions like hosted payment pages, which we're now looking at how do we take that concept of kind of hosted pages where people might want to configure stuff to the next level across some of our other APIs, our other API products. So in like an ideal world, I'd love to be like, okay, blank slate, like strategically, what is the vision? Where do we want to go? And in which order do we want to go in? Because at the moment, you know, we have tons of clients of different sizes as well. We we have large merchants, so large businesses, but we also have financial institutions. We have merchants, we have acquirers. You know, there's a lot of different nuances between a, a merchant, an acquirer, payment facilitator, a payment service provider, all these terms that you're probably going, Ryan, please stop. So yeah, two things there. Talent, which I think we've done really well, uh, you need that. And two, I guess being really clear about your vision and in an ideal world, not having other factors influence the order of it, but being very strategic in how you release stuff in what order. So Ryan, I, I want to put a 
see if if I'm right, but in your description of some of those, let's say, soft skills in the hiring piece, I would assert that maybe what you're saying a level down is someone that's not afraid to sort of jump organizational boundaries and break the rules a little bit. Is that true? Oh, yes, definitely. I think just even the fact that when Matt joined, he very quickly got access to a database, which is notoriously hard to get access to. And I still, I'm like, how did you get that? Like, what did you do? Who did you convince? But yeah, definitely challenging the status quo for sure and not taking over an answer. I always tell people like, you know, if you want to kind of do the transformation thing around APIs, step one is build your band of rebels. You know, it's like figure out how are you going to cross all the existing silos and lines? Because on a long enough timeline, those external connections, those APIs, that platform view of things will change the way the organization is. So ignore the way that it exists today and think about what it needs to be. And it takes that rule breaking mindset to get there, I think so. Just building on that, we're also looking at how do we like break rules, but like subtly or quietly, like things which developers will find, but like other people won't find. Like uh, it sounds really, I'm being quite ambiguous there because I don't want the people who I don't want to find it to find it. But uh, we've jokingly said about how we're going to try and enable a like quest mode on our dev portal. If you happen to hit on something, we change the entire theme to be like, a games quest and all the wordings changed and all APIs become like fun. We're working on it just as like a fun project. How do we like enable this kind of quest mode? Mainly because I think there's a lot of gamers in our team. I'm surprised Matt hadn't spoken up because you love playing games. <laughs> I mean, if this was a gaming podcast, maybe I would have gone that way. But you know, once you get me started, you probably can't stop me. So I try not to. I love it. Choose your own adventure for APIs. It's funny, though, and I just, you know, this feels like a good wrap-up point of the the range that we covered today, and I appreciate you guys' openness and transparency and all this, is on one hand, you're saying, you know, our charge is de facto governance, and on the other side is break all the rules. So I think this is such a good thing to capture, to your point about talent, how you build a team, is that's exactly the range you have to play to really drive a transformation, right? Is break the current rules and make new ones, envision a different future, and kind of be willing to look past what today is. Super exciting. Um, You've summed up quite well the fact that I'm incredibly hard to please and that I want everything and I want nothing both at the same time. Basically, that's me. Like, I want governance, but I also want to break rules. So you've done a very good way of summing up how hard it is as me, how difficult I am as a person to please. Yeah, so you're hiring. You should, Anybody who wants to apply at Fiserv, now you got an inside scoop. He's not that bad, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, normally I would ask folks, you know, anything you want to kind of plug or highlight that's coming up for your customers. Uh, sounds like hiring. Uh, we already talked about that one a whole bunch, so everyone knows you're hiring now. Anything else that you want to kind of highlight before we wrap here? One thing that we are starting to do more now is be a lot more open in terms of what's on our roadmap or potential ideas. So one of the things that we are actively encouraging, and it will be on kind of more of our homepage, actually, in fact, will be like, here's our ideas, here's our roadmap, come and speak to us. And, you know, if this is something that you want, then, yeah, let's let's go ahead and build it. So we're encouraging people to speak to us early about ideas. Yeah, and just to add on to that as well, we are, I guess we are trying to sort of start to build that community because at the moment we're just trying to kind of get going with our APIs and our platform, but the next thing is kind of building that community around that. Excellent. Well, uh, I'm sure that if we end up with folks listening who work with Fiserv, they'll be uh, 
applauding right now that you know you guys are willing to reach out and have those conversations. Well, uh, Matt, Ryan, I really appreciate chatting with you guys today. It's, it's been cool thinking about what does product look like? What does, you know, kind of leading the transformation look like? And uh, as I often tell folks, working in APIs and kind of integrating platforms, it's sometimes a messy, dirty business. But I think, you know, I always appreciate meeting folks like you who are willing to take on the challenge. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. And thanks, Anna, again, as always, for, uh, for helping out here. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.